You're listening to the Bonfire Podcast, fanning the flames of the gospel to the ends of the world. Come on, let's dive into the Word. Well, welcome to the Bonfire Podcast, everyone. We're glad that you're joining us for another episode. If this is your first time listening, we'd encourage you to come in, stay a while, listen to what we have to say. And if you enjoy what you're hearing, we'd encourage you to become a subscriber and download our content on a regular basis. We try to release content uh, every two weeks. Uh, Now we've kind of shifted into that mode. Um, And we release those on Sunday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, hopefully you'll be able to tune in uh, each and every week when we release those and uh, just get a lot out of the, the, the work that we're doing here. As always, I want to encourage you, if you are a longtime listener, uh, thank you. And uh, just please, if you would, share uh, with someone this week about the Bonfire Podcast. We need more listeners, more folks tuning in, uh, more people diving into uh, the Word of God and studying Scripture. And so we just need your help in getting that message out. So if you would, please do that for us. Uh, Well, Dad, uh, we are uh, here again for another episode. This episode, I believe, uh, may be one of our most unique episodes. Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't really have kind of a set outline. We're just going to kind of do some discussion and and talking through a, a really tough topic here. Uh, this episode probably is the the episode that also could cause the most trouble because we're getting yeah. ready to touch a, a touchy uh, a touchy situation, a sensitive topic here. So I encourage our listeners uh, just to to listen in and and follow along. And we're going to be discussing um, a serious matter that has come to light. And if, if you've been uh, watching any type of uh, media, news, uh, social media, you'll know that the topic of abortion and the sanctity of life has been shoved uh, front and center stage of our life uh, mm-hmm. in pretty much every facet. And that's because just over about uh, two weeks ago now, we had a an opinion. It was a preliminary opinion that was being written by our Supreme Court justices. Uh, it was leaked to a media and uh, came out that the justices were looking at overturning Roe versus Way. And uh, what we've seen happen since that document has been released is mm-hmm. probably best described as just absurd craziness uh, right. happening all around us mm-hmm. on all sides. Uh, and I say all sides because there's craziness literally happening on both the the, the left and the right or the, the conservative or the liberal or the Christian versus non-Christian view, it seems like it's abounding. And so we thought it'd be beneficial for us to, to address this on the podcast, uh, share with you some thoughts of what the Scripture says about the topic of abortion and the sanctity of human life, uh, talk a little bit about how we got here, and then share just a little bit with you about some of the madness that's happening in our society and how that kind of plays into what I believe is the second coming of Jesus Christ. I believe mm-hmm. we're near, and mm-hmm. I believe we're close. And uh, Dad, I'm convinced in my heart that we we are we're closer now than we've ever been. Right. And uh, we're seeing just kind of the full on depravity and society come un unhinged. And I believe that's exactly what we expect to see right before Jesus steps on the scene. And so we'll talk about that in, mm-hmm. in is is just a, a little bit. Uh, just to kind of level set our conversation and get us started here. I pulled some numbers, and the the Center for Disease um, uh, Control and Prevention, the CDC, they track numbers on legal abortions, and the last numbers they had were for 2019. And in 2019, they reported in the United States that 629,000 
898 legal abortions were reported to the CDC uh, during that year. The rate, uh, the abortion rate was 11.4 abortions per 1,000 women aged 15 to 44, and the abortion ratio was 195 abortions per 1,000 live births. And when you just say abortions or you just say uh, fetuses or, or use some of this language, it seems real insensitive here. But if we look at this the way that we should, that's 629, 898 lives that have been uh, aborted, have been killed, infants that have been killed. That's 11.4 infants that are killed for every thousand uh, women between 15 and 44, and 195 babies have been, again, murdered and slaughtered for every 1,000 healthy births. Mm. And those are some staggering statistics, Dad. And you, right. you think about that uh, trend has, has kept fairly fairly steady over uh, recent years. So just, uh, a, just a, a terrible crisis that we have of children being aborted mm-hmm. in our country. And obviously we've got what's happening on the Supreme Court, which we're going to talk about. But I thought maybe a good place to start our conversation is how did we get here? How did we get to the place where we are on an annual basis uh, killing over 600,000 infants uh, in the womb? It just it doesn't make sense. Tell us how we got here. Right. Now, some of the information that I have uh, received about this comes from numerous sources. Uh, one, uh, the American thinker. Well, in regard to abortion, a little history lesson will help explain how we got to where we are today. For more than 2,000 years, some women have wanted to terminate their pregnancies. In the ancient world, a surgical abortion would have been impractical and dangerous. So women who wanted to terminate their pregnancy resorted to drinking turpentine or herbal uh, potions to terminate the life of their unborn child. But most women who did not want the baby carried their baby to term rather than succumb to any of these horrendous methods. Now, the ancient Greeks and Romans had another solution for unwanted life, infanticide. Now, to be sure, however, they did not call it that, but it was a passive form of murder. Unwanted infants were left exposed to the elements to die of hypothermia or starvation. The fathers held the ultimate power and decided which boys were not fit and which girls were just too many girls. The Spartans had a more institutional system. The father brought the newborn to the ruling elders, and they, the ruling elders, decided which were to be exterminated. The other Greek city-states were appalled by the Spartan tradition, but not because of the infanticide, uh, not because of that whatsoever. Uh, The Spartan system eliminated the father's right to choose. (laughs) Now, does that sound familiar today? Uh, So many babies that are aborted, the father has no right right there. That's right. Uh, So the cradle of Western civilization had no compassion for the occupants of the cradle itself. The exceptions in Europe were the Etruscans and the ancient Germans. They raised all of their children. But starting about 2,000 years ago, Western Europe began to go topsy-turvy over its attitude 
toward children and the unborn. This revolutionary change was the adoption of Judeo-Christian values. From its earliest history, the Jewish nation abhorred child sacrifice. This was one of the reasons why the Canaanites were considered an abomination worthy of extermination. They sacrificed infants and children up to the age of four to the god Moloch. The children were burned alive. But it goes beyond the prescription of child sacrifice. It was understood that the child in the womb and the born child were part of the same continuum. Uh, There were not separate words for fetus and child. A woman was pregnant with child, not pregnant with fetus. The Ten Commandments do not condemn abortion because they already condemn murder. Now, in the Scriptures, and I'm sure we'll probably refer to these Scriptures just a little bit, uh, God in the Bible, you know, pointed out that he knew David and the prophet Jeremiah while they were in their mother's womb. God would not speak of knowing a lump of lifeless flesh. Christianity continued this ethic and was probably a greater influence because of its adoption throughout the entire Roman world. Christians also recognized human life in the womb. Mary visited her cousin Elizabeth shortly after she was informed that she was pregnant with Jesus. And Elizabeth's baby in utero, John the Baptist, jumped for joy at the recognition of Jesus in Mary's womb. Like the Jewish tradition, this confirms personhood. And there was another dimension. Jesus told his disciples to bring the children to him, and he exhorted them to be more childlike. You see, for the first time, children were cherished for being children, and they were allowed to have a childhood. And children were safe in the womb, with few exceptions, for almost 2,000 years. And so, in other words, people murdered and killed children, sacrificed them. Uh, But 2,000 years ago... And for almost 2,000 years, there was a change, and children were considered to be of value and sacred. And uh, this would seem to be real human progress, but everything changed 100 years ago in the 20th century. With advances in surgery, one could have an abortion procedure and hope to survive. Although abortion was illegal at, uh, in the early 1900s, many self-proclaimed visionaries began promoting it as part of the program of family planning. Now, Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, and I think we've all heard of Planned Parenthood, mm-hmm. uh, Margaret Sanger paved the way for abortion throughout the United States. She is no hero. She was a godless woman. Margaret Sanger, the the alcoholic and Demerol addict who spawned the International Planned Parenthood Federation, was a proponent of forced eugenics, segregation, abortion, birth control, and sexual immorality. Now, here are some of her quotes. These folks are the words of Margaret Sanger. She said, The most merciful thing that a family does to one of its infant members is to kill it. Mm. She said that. She said birth control must ultimately lead to a cleaner race. She said we should hire three or four colored ministers 
preferably with social service backgrounds and with engaging personalities, the most successful educational approach to the Negro is through a religious appeal. We don't want the word to go out that we want to exterminate the Negro population. Now, that was Margaret Sanger, Hmm. the, the woman that started Planned Parenthood. She said, eugenic sterilization is an urgent need. We must prevent multiplication of this bad stock. She said, eugenics is the most adequate and thorough avenue to the solution of racial, political, and social problems. Birth control itself, often denounced as a violation of natural law, she said, is nothing more or less than the Uh, facilitation of the process of weeding out the unfit, of preventing the birth of defectives or those who will become defectives. She went on to say the unbalance between the birth rate of the unfit and the fit is the greatest present menace to civilization. The most urgent problem today is how to limit and discourage the over-fertility of the mentally and physically defective. Uh, She went on to say the campaign for birth control is not merely of eugenic value, but is practically identical with the final aims of eugenics. She went on to say many other things. The undeniably feeble-minded should, she said, indeed, not only be discouraged, but prevented from propagating their kind. The procreation of the disease, the feeble-minded and paupers, she said, should be stopped. She said the marriage bed is the most degenerative influence in the social order. Our objective is unlimited sexual gratification without the burden of unwanted children. She went on to say that sterilization, meaning mandatory sterilization for the, quote, uh, sane and feeble-minded is the answer. She said, give uh, dysgenic groups, people with bad genes in our population, their choice of segregation are sterilization, meaning compulsory sterilization. Margaret Sanger, founder of Planned Parenthood, proposed the American Baby Code that states no woman shall have the legal right to bear a child without a permit for parenthood. Can you imagine? She was influenced by Darwinism and the Nazis over in Germany, who encouraged and promoted abortion among Jews and non-Germans in their attempt to create a super race. Now, speaking of Hitler and the Nazis, Hitler was pro-choice. So those of you out there that's pro-choice, hey, move over. Hitler was pro-choice too. In 1933, when the Nazis came to power, the law was changed to legalize abortion and make this a matter of decision for a medical review board. The development of Germany's abortion policy was left to the country's most uh, uh, ferocious abortion advocacy group, the Berlin Chamber of Physicians. And this group, which advocated abortion on demand, determined that the health of the mother, considered from all angles, is the decisive factor. Sounds familiar. Then, just as now, health of the mother criterion was loosely understood to mean any economic or psychological effect on the woman's total well-being. Now, there were approximately 500,000 abortions annually in Germany under the Third Reich, a country of 60 to 70 million 
people. Now, you said how many abortions we have last year, 680? Uh, 2019 was 629,000. 629,000. <laughs> and uh, we have... Uh, Probably four times the population of Germany. Mm-hmm. And Germany had 500,000, half a million, only had 60 to 70 million people. Uh, and they had that annually under the Third Reich. And in Nazi Germany, racial stock was considered as an aspect of the health of the mother. If she was from an unhealthy race, such as Polish, Czech, or Jewish, then she was often forced to have an abortion against her will. However, race wasn't the only consideration. Hitler actively promoted the destruction of the crippled, poor, and unemployed classes, as did Margaret Sanger, founder of Planned Parenthood. Abortion led to forced sterilization, which led to Luther, which led to euthanasia, which led to Auschwitz. Now, all of this to where we are today. Abortion was legalized in 50 states, as we know, in 1973 by the Supreme Court decision called Roe v. Wade, and has resulted in in about 60 million babies or more being aborted in our country since 1973. Now, folks, we talk about the Holocaust, where 6 million Jews were murdered in Germany uh, under the Nazis. This is the American Holocaust. America is no different than Nazi Germany. You know, uh, the lie in the culture is about quality of life over sanctity of life. Mm. Do any of these lies sound familiar? Oh, it was for the best. She's got three kids on welfare already. Well, it doesn't matter how poor the mother is. Do we really believe only rich people deserve to live? I thought money couldn't buy happiness. You know, Matt? Mm-hmm. Uh, people say, oh, the ultrasound and the uh, amniocentesis show the baby has Down syndrome. You should abort. <laughs> well, have you ever known a child with Down syndrome? Folks, I have. These precious children bless the lives of everyone who meets them. Mm-hmm. Uh, people say today, oh, she had her whole life ahead of her. She had to abort. Now she can go to college and her life can get back to normal. Had to abort? That doesn't sound like a choice. The truth is her life will never get back to normal, whatever that means. Once she's pregnant, she's a mother. She can either be a mother who has a child or a mother who lost one, but she will never again not be a mother. All of these common excuses for abortion reflect quality of life, not sanctity of life, which I think you're going to talk about, Matt. Life is sacred. You don't mess with it. If one life, especially the most vulnerable, the unborn, who had no voice of their own to stand up for themselves is not valued, then no one's life is safe. The culture of death does not stop with abortion, folks. It starts there. Here's the slippery slope. Abortion, assisted suicide, euthanasia for the comatose, euthanasia for the elderly, euthanasia for the disabled, euthanasia for the undesirables, the final solution, like Hitler. Sound familiar? Folks, why are the unborn, the elderly, and the mentally handicapped under attack? Because they are, for the most part, defenseless, particularly the unborn. Bullies pick on those that can't defend themselves. Well, that, that's a, a great background and history there of kind of where we've come uh, throughout society. And I find it interesting that there's uh, seemingly all throughout society has been this 
uh, push to, to, to kill the unborn. And, and I believe, and we're going to talk about it, that's really coming straight from the evil one himself and Satan. That's his goal. Mm-hmm. He wants to see the unborn killed. Um, but as you were talking, Dad, and we were talking about those numbers, um, you know, it occurred to me, it triggered to me. I heard on the, the radio as I was driving here uh, this evening is that we're getting ready to hit a, a milestone. We're getting ready to hit a million lives uh, lost in the United States uh, from COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I heard that statistic, it's a very sad statistic. And mm-hmm. and that's a million lives lost over the course of, you know, uh, it's been, what, two and a half years uh, since we've kind of been in, in COVID-19. And that's really sad. And, right. uh, you know, the, there's plans to, I think the president was going to uh, order that uh, the flags be flown at half staff this weekend and, and kind of uh, honor and remembrance of these million lives that were lost. Mm. But I think there, I mean, there's 629,000, not that far off. Right. And that's an annual number. That's an annual number. Uh, I remember looking back, that's why I said 680,000. I read not too many years ago, it's 680,000. That's right. Yeah. And and that's an annual number that we're talking about here. So if you were to put that over the same time frame, uh, would would far exceed the number of COVID deaths. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not trying to to compare one, you know one death being ver- versus the other. Uh, it's a life that's lost. And and our point here on this podcast is that all life is sacred, and uh, and all life should be honored. And and we just don't seem to think second about all these unboarded aborted uh, unborn children, six hundred and twenty nine thousand of them from 2019 that that no longer have a life, never had an opportunity at a life because of these evil practices and, and abortion being in place. And so just consider that as you're listening uh, here today, and you may see, again, this weekend, flags at half-staff. When are we going to put the flags at half-staff for all of these uh, aborted babies, unborn mm-hmm. babies uh, that we have killed through the years uh, through this abortion process? Well, Dad, uh, I, I figured that uh, since this is kind of what sparks the issue, that we probably should talk a little bit about the Supreme Court case. And, you know, full disclaimer here, we're not attorneys or, or, or legal minds, but I did just a little bit of research here and, and want to talk about what's what's happening. And uh, as I said in the introduction, this all, the whole conversation and the, the whole uh, kind of uh, blow up in culture uh, right now is happening because of this leaked Supreme Court decision uh, that came out. It was uh, uh, not officially released. It was leaked. Um, by Politico. And in that uh, decision, it, it was discussed by the justices that they were looking to overturn Roe versus Way. And uh, Justice Alito, who was the, the lead writer uh, on this opinion, uh, wrote that Roe was egregiously wrong from the start. And so uh, his his justification there was that the 1973 decision, uh, which was the federal uh, constitutional protection for abortion rights, and then subsequently a 1992 decision, which was Planned, uh, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, uh, that largely maintained the rights, they were inappropriately founded. Uh, his argument was that if you look into the Constitution, and I would encourage all of you, if you don't have a copy of the Constitution, get one. Or if you want to Google uh, the Constitution, I want you to Google the Constitution. I want you to search in your search bar for the word abortion. You won't find uh, an, a, a privilege or a right or a provision uh, to abortion in the Constitution. And so the the justices that 
oversaw this case in 1973, what they did is they structured their entire argument over the right to privacy and used that as the kind of springboard from which they got this ruling, Roe versus Way, that legalized abortion. And, and really what Roe versus Way did is it made it possible that the states could regulate abortion up to uh, roughly viability, which is 24 uh, viewed as 24 uh, weeks of, of gestation. And so they, they justified it off of privacy. Interesting thing, though, is the right to privacy is not in the Constitution. Again, do a tech search, Google search for Constitution, look for the word privacy. You won't find the word there because that is not there. And so our justices are saying, uh, and I have the exact quote here that I, that I find uh, interesting here. It says uh, from, again, here's a leader writing. It says, we hold that Roe and Casey must be uh, overruled. Uh, it says, it is time that we heed the Constitution and return the issue of abortion to the people's elected representatives. So when he says heed the Constitution, uh, he writes a much longer dissertation about the fact that there isn't a, a constitutional justification for abortion being there. The interesting thing here, Dad, and the, I guess the important thing to note is if you were to just kind of uh, maybe come in from another world and be zapped into to our world and turn on a television, you would think that this ruling is going to ban abortions from ever happening. And that's not what this is doing. It's actually right. going to uh, <clears throat> put this issue, as, as, as Justice Alito said, back to the people's elected representatives. And so uh, the maintenance of abortion rights and legality was going to be pushed back to the states. Mm -hmm. And so it'll be a state-to-state -state decision of whether abortion is going to be allowed or not. And so for those who are on the pro-life side, as we are, that you know, originally you see this, you think, oh, this is a huge win. Uh, but in reality, uh, this basically takes all the rules off of uh, abortion. And in, in some of these uh, left-leaning uh, liberal states, uh, they can approve to abort as, as much as they want to, all the way up into uh, the time of birth if they want to, without having any type of legal or federal restraint on that. And so that's going to pose a problem. Abortion's not going away with this. That's right. You know, in uh, January of 2019, Governor Cuomo signed a law for the state of New York allowing abortions uh, to take place after 24 weeks of pregnancy, uh, all the way up to the point almost of, of being born, a child being born. Now, uh, people say, oh, well, you know, uh, that law doesn't say that, that uh, a a uh, a woman's pregnant, uh, eight months pregnant, can abort their baby. Well, yeah, it does because it it gave room for the doctor to make a decision as to whether carrying that child that 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 child that's eight months from inception um, would affect the the mother's life or health. And it doesn't say you know what goes into determining health. And so yes. Uh, the state of New York, perhaps that state has more abortions. New York City has more abortions than any city in the United States of America. And that state has got the most liberal abortion law that that will be allowed to continue, you know, uh, even if the 
the Supreme Court throws it back to the states. It's going to go back to the states. So the New York's going to keep right on having abortions like they want to. Another state that is very uh, liberal when it comes to abortions, allowing uh, children to be aborted, uh, you know, far much longer than just the early stages of pregnancy. It's the state of Virginia. State of Virginia. That's right. Um, and there, there's several other states that, that are involved in that as well. And so, again, this uh, court decision here um, overturning Roe v. Wade uh, does not uh prevent abortions from happening. And so uh, as a pro-life stance, uh, that's that doesn't mean that we let off the gas or that we uh, don't uh, continue to, to advocate for life because this is still going to be an issue that's going to be around and is going to be in our society. Uh, I find interesting, Dad, that um, you know Congress uh, yesterday made an effort. They wanted to codify um, abortion rights into law. And so as Congress can do, they obviously can write legislation that creates laws. And so they put forth uh, some legislation that was going to make abortion uh, the law of the land legal across the board. If that had gone through, uh, that would have been kind of uh, a de facto type end to this. Uh, Thankfully, uh, the bill did not pass. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, every single Democrat, with the exception, I think, one, uh, Joe Manchin from West Virginia, uh, he decided to side with the Republicans and and voted um, against the bill. And that's what allowed that bill to stop. Um, And so, again, put the issue uh, based off of if this uh, opinion that the, the court has written, if it does come out in its final version, as we've seen, um, we'll push this back to the states and it'll be a state to state decision of what happens with abortion. You know, uh, one thing I believe that the Supreme Court is relying upon to make this potential decision. Now, you know, one of the Supreme Court justices could change his or her mind. Certainly. And, they're uh, under a lot of pressure right now. They're under a lot of pressure. But uh, they're, re- they're looking at the 10th Amendment to the United States Constitution. It's a part of the Bill of Rights. It was ratified on December the 15th, 1791. It expresses the principle of federalism, also known as states' rights, by stating that the federal government has only those powers delegated to it by the Constitution and that all other powers not forbidden uh, to the states by the Constitution are reserved to each state. And so, like you said, you can search the Constitution over. You find nothing about abortion. You find nothing about privacy. Correct. And so uh, that was a terrible decision, even based on the Constitution back in 1973, because they totally overlooked the Tenth Amendment. That's right. And and some uh, liberal justices, the most uh, notable RGB, uh, who, who passed away uh, last year, I guess it was, had, had even said that they felt like Roe v. Wade was on shaky ground from a legal standpoint. Uh, based off of uh, its having, you know, no foundation uh, in the Constitution. And again, the Supreme Court's job is is to uh, read and interpret uh, and make judgment on law based off of what's written in the Constitution. And in this case, um, the the seventy three uh, court justices decided to kind of fabricate um, a justification there. And so that's what's happening. That's what's happening in news. Again, we're not uh, attorneys here and can't give expert legal opinion. So we'll disclaimer everything that we've said there, uh, but just know that's what's caused the issue. And so that's what the Supreme Court has to say. But that more importantly than what the Supreme Court has to say, you know, we're, we're bonfire, we're a Bible study ca- podcast, and more importantly, we need to look at, to see what the Word of God has to say about a life, about sanctity of life. And so th- there's kind of uh, three things that I wrote down. I'm sure you got some thoughts here as well. Uh, so one, one 
point that I wanted to make here is that human life has intrinsic value. And uh, that meaning that life has purpose, life has value. Every life, uh, regardless of whether it's born or unborn, has purpose. And I like to look at Genesis 1, verses 27. Uh, it says, So God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Uh, You as a person, we as people, uh, these unborn children, these are not just bundles of cells or tissues that have been uh, brought together by mere science. No, these are created beings. Uh, These are created in God's image, as our Bible tells us, uh, that that these are made after a God. Uh, These are God's creatures. Uh, We are uh, in God's uh, God's family and and so this is what, what this Bible is, uh, verse is telling us here, that there is intrinsic value in life. Dad, another verse that I saw, and, and you, you mentioned kind of one in, in your uh, his history uh, that you brought to us there, uh, is life begins at conception. I like Psalms 139, verses 13 through 16. It says, You formed me in my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest part of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance, and yet unformed, uh, and in your book they were written, the days fashioned for me, yet uh, though yet they were none of them. So this verse here, the psalmist is writing about how God uh, knows us intimately, even in the womb, mm-hmm. even before we, we've been conceived, God knows who we are. God has a plan, a purpose. Uh, it talks about his book, meaning his plan and his uh, uh, design for our life is set. Mm-hmm. And uh, so life there begins at conception. You mentioned also that the prophet uh, Jeremiah, mm-hmm. uh, as well as as David, uh, God talks about knowing them and, and actually calling them before they were even born. That's right. Psalm 139.16, God said, uh, Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. And that's that's what I'm what God said to, about David in that's Psalm right. 139.16. That's right. And Jeremiah, I think it was, uh, he was, he was uh, basically ordained, if you will, or, or set aside to be a, a minister, uh, a prophet of God uh, in the womb. Right. Uh, he, was, uh, he was set aside to do that. And so life begins at conception. Uh, just because the, the child hasn't come forth from uh, the, the woman's loins and hasn't breathed the first breath of air, uh, there is a definitely life that begins at conception. And Dad, we can get into the science of all this and, you know, talk about how the fact that a an infant, uh, you know, in, in a mom's womb, how it has its own genetics, it has its own DNA sequence, it has its own blood supply that's separate from the mom, and mm-hmm. it's definitely connected to the mom, but it, it's in and of itself, it's independent of the mom and different from the mom. Uh, and, and so, in fact, there's many times certain uh, disease states or blood types that we have to be careful of because the mom's body will attack the baby because it says, hey, this isn't supposed, this isn't me, it isn't like me. And That's so right. uh, it, it's definitely an individual person. And I feel like the the folks that uh, try to push that abortion is okay, they like to use the word fetus a lot because fetus just sounds so impersonal. It doesn't right. sound like an infant or a baby. 
and they just want to say, oh, it's just a cluster of cells. It's just a, 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 it's just tissue that's sitting there. But our Bible tells us that life in the womb is so much more than that, that it, it is life. It is uh, someone who's known to God. The last thing, last point I had here, Dad, uh, was that the unborn deserve justice. If you flip over to Exodus chapter 21, verses 22 and 24, it says, If men strive and hurt a woman with child so that the fruit depart from her, and yet no mischief follow, he shall be surely punished according as the woman's husband will lay upon him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. And if any mischief follow, then thou shalt give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. So this verse here is talking about uh, if there is a, a woman who is pregnant and there is damage to the baby mm-hmm. and, and the baby is able to, to be born and, and not have any issues, the person is going to get punished, mm-hmm. uh, certainly for, for doing harm to the woman and the baby. But then it says if the baby has mischief, meaning that the baby actually suffers or dies from this, that uh, there should be punishment up to and including death for that person. Right. Uh, the Bible will speak seriously on the fact of taking life. Uh, the unborn life was a serious matter there. And if we look, that's an Old Testament reference, but if you look all through the, the Bible, you're going to see the same trend, that life is respected and the taking of life is not done without it being uh, you know, something that's very seriously considered. You know what's crazy with our laws, son? You know, a woman that is pregnant, she can go in and have an abortion um, and you know not be charged with murder to kill any of her baby. But... You let that same woman be pregnant and be attacked by a man that kills her and the baby dies in the womb subsequently. Did you know that that man's going to be charged with two murders? Two murders, yeah. You know? Yeah, it, it, yeah. It's, it is baffling to me um, that, that is that is the case. Um, the, the last scripture I want to share with you as we kind of transition to talk about some of the things that are happening as a result of this um, is from Proverbs um, verse, uh, Proverbs chapter 8, verse 36, it says, But he who sins against me wrongs his own soul. All those who hate me love death. Okay, that verse there is talking about all those that hate God mm-hmm. love death. And I, I find that verse telling because what we see playing out here following this decision and and what's coming um, about from all the different protests and all the different people talking. I, I've just been baffled this week, Dad, as I've kind of watched it play out, the number of people that seem to be infatuated and in love with the idea of killing unborn children. Mm-hmm. It, it just seems to be uh, unreal to me. The things that we've seen, I've got some examples here that we can talk through um, about this, one thing that comes to mind is in protests. There's been protests that are happening all across the country. There's protests happening uh, right now, probably even as we speak in front of the justices' homes. Uh, they started protesting there Monday of last week and even through the weekend. Um, and in those protests, I, I saw videos where people were taking what looked to be like dolls or, or things that looked like infants, and they were shredding them apart and ripping them apart mm. in, in, a, in a mock a view of, of abortion, and this is what they want to do uh, to fetuses. I mm-hmm. saw another image of, a, of uh, people with Black Lives Matter signs saying that Black Lives Matter, but at the same time advocating for the killing of black lives. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's just uh, wild to me to see such a, 
a response for people wanting to make sure that we can kill young babies all the way up to and including that our, our Congress would try to codify law that basically said, hey, everything goes all the way up to 24 weeks. Have at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just is, is mind baffling mm-hmm. to me uh, that that's the case. Uh, another thing that that has uh, come to light recently, Dad, and I don't know if you've seen this, but um, the Satanic Temple uh, has come out and said that they are going to throw their hat in the ring in, in terms of discussing abortion rights and that they are making the stance that abortion and the killing of unborn is a religious ritual for them and thereby it should be protected and given exemptions under religious rights. Mm. Uh, that That's Unabsurd to, to say that, but Dad, this is an actual release. Uh, the Sat- the Satanic Temple (TST) uh, released a formal statement on their Twitter page uh, this week, um, and it was picked up by multiple news organizations in terms of what they say uh, that they are going to do. I found it interesting, uh, Dad. I, I know you don't get on social media much, and I try to stay away as much as I possibly can. But there's been a recent uptick and trend of people. Uh, going on, showing a video of them joining the Satanic Church just mm. in the last couple of days, yeah. and they're holding up <coughs> their certificate that has all this ungodly, wicked imagery on it that has their name, saying that they're a member of the Satanic Church, and a, a pocket card that says they're a Satanist, and they're doing it because they say they want to preserve the right to kill their unborn, mm. and they're making video after video of this is what they're doing, uh, and, and it's just so disheartening. When I, I look at this article, Dad, just a couple of things here that, that will stand out to you. In the tweet from the Satanic Temple, uh, they say, The body is inviolable, subject to one's own will alone. So right there, the Satanists, of course, are rejecting any idea that mm-hmm. you know God's in the picture and the God's in control of this. Mm-hmm. They go on to say that they're going to take uh, several different actions. Uh, one, of course, is going to be suing um, to make sure that the religious exemption is there uh, for them under the Religious Freedom Restoration Act of 1993 uh, so that they would be able to have rights uh, to, to do abortions. They even said in this uh, that they are also researching the possibility of creating religious abortion facilities, um, and they will provide more information about that as the plan develops. Mm. So they're uh, hoping to uh, attach to their temples, create the areas where you can come and you can sacrifice your your child as part of your mm. satanic ritual mm. uh, to them. It's unreal. Um, another... Uh, quote here that I found disturbing is that says that the, the abortion ritual, according to TST's website, involves the recitation of two tenets and a personal affirmation that is ceremoniously intertwined with the abortion. So they have a ceremony, supposedly, that they conduct as they abort and kill their child in a sacrificial manner, I guess, to a Satan himself. And so that this is pure evil. Modern day Canaanites, uh, pure pure evil uh, mm. that we're seeing mm. here, and uh, to see the the Satanist uh, get involved in this, and uh, an- another thing that we see happening here is that we've got uh, not only the protest happening at the homes of the of the the justices and the demonstrations of chopping up babies happening in our street, uh, but we have fire bombs that have been uh, set over at pro life uh, centers. Uh, the headquarters of pro-life group Wisconsin Family Actions was set on fire Sunday morning after a Molotov cocktail was thrown into the building. Uh, on the side of the building 
was a spray painted, if abortions, uh, if abortions aren't safe, then you aren't either. Uh, there was also a pro-life center in Texas that provides uh, free health care assistance uh, and alternatives to abortion uh, that was spray painted over the weekend. And the Oregon Right to Life organization also reports that their headquarters was set on fire a Sunday night. In addition to that, uh, Dad, there's been uh, graffiti and intimidation happening at churches. Uh, so we've got multiple churches uh, from various denominations, a large group here uh, being uh, Catholic denominations um, that had their facilities vandalized with spray paint and actually had uh, pro-abortion groups um, that that go under the what's interesting they they, they go under the group Ruth sent us uh, referring to RGB who actually supported the fact that uh, Roe v Wade would probably be underturned overturned mm-hmm. because of uh, the the legal aspects but they went into uh, churches and they said that they are targeting evangelical churches uh, and they're going to come in and disrupt uh, those uh, churches and try to uh, just basically shut down the the service. Uh, with their ranting and raving about uh, wanting to to be able to kill uh, infants, and so it doesn't uh, make any sense, man. It, it, it doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't make, make any sense, sense at all. Um, it, it doesn't. It sure, sure doesn't. But uh, you know, as I read in that verse, uh, all that hate me again, that being God, love death, and I think that's what we're seeing play out here is that the evil one, Satan himself. Is is up to his old annex. Uh, he's always had a a thing with killing uh, children. I, I think about you th- go all the way back to the story of Moses, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Moses ended up in the basket and put into the the river. Why? Because they were killing right. all the 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 baby boys um, mm-hmm. at that time. And then fast forward to Jesus when Jesus was born. What happened there? They wanted to kill all of the babies. Uh, and so Satan has a thing about trying to kill uh, infants and young children and the unborn. And uh, I, I really feel, Dad, that he is, with this uh, issue coming to light with the court case, I believe Satan's trying to make his kind of last stand on the issue of abortion, uh, because I think he knows his time is short in terms of Christ's return, and he's just putting it all out there. That That's the only way I can explain what we're seeing happening here, mm-hmm. is just this depravity happening um, just all over the place. Well, uh, Satan hates what's precious to God, and uh, children are precious to God. That's exactly Remember Jesus right. said, suffer the little children, let them come unto me. Don't for- forbid them not, in other words, from coming to me. You know Exactly right. Um, that as we get ready to kind of end up here, I uh, just want to touch on another verse of Scripture. As I was thinking about this um, and uh, really persuaded in the fact of what we're seeing play out here, as I said in the lead-in and just, just a moment ago, I really feel like uh, we're watching the end times mm-hmm. play out in front of us. Now, if you've been a longtime podcast listener, you know we've uh, done a series on uh, end times. You can go back to our series that we did January time frame of 2021, uh, the Coming King podcast series, and we go through uh, the book of Revelation and, and go through uh, the second coming of, of Christ. And so I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that. We also recently did episodes talking about the churches in Revelation, and those churches are important because those last churches represent really the church age that we're in now and the church age right before Christ uh, returns. Uh, and I'm just convinced, Dad, that, that Jesus is going to step out uh, here soon, and that's why we're seeing all this. And as I was thinking about that, um, I was I've been reading through and studying through Second Timothy, and the heading under over Second uh, Timothy chapter three is perilous times and perilous men. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, if you look at Second uh, Timothy chapter three verses two, it says, "For men will." Well, let me go back and read verse one. It says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Verse two, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boast, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to their parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, uh, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And Dad, when I read that verse, I just think about how this seems to be playing out in front of us, mm-hmm. unholy. Right. I, I'm telling you, when you see someone in the middle of a street chopping up a, a model of a baby or a doll and saying, this is what I, I want to see happening, that's mm-hmm. unholy. That's right. That's unholy. Um, when you think about the the uh, people that support the fact that you can kill a baby all the way up until just moments before it could come out of the mom. That's brutal. And mm-hmm. it says that they're going to be brutal. Lovers of pleasure. I think about this. It, it seems to be one of the biggest drives. And we were sharing, you shared an article with me earlier today uh, talking about contraception being used on, on uh, the college campuses. Uh, really a large drive in this is people want unfettered the ability to have fornication and pleasure without any risk or any consequence. And right. and that's what they're trading is the love of pleasure over the things of the love of God. And then just despising what's good. Mm-hmm. I can't think of much that's, that's better than a young baby, the mm-hmm. innocence of a young baby that so sweet. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and these people just seem to hate uh, that that is good. And so um, I see this verse here in Second Timothy as, as Paul was writing to Timothy and telling us about what would happen as, as the days uh, grow closer to Christ's return. Mm-hmm. I see it playing out before us. I think that's what's happening right now before our very eyes. All right. You know, uh, Matt, uh, the, the generation today that's coming along, even those up that's into their 40s and 50s, uh, people have been programmed for murder for years because this murders and adultery, fornication, that's, that's all that's on television, practically on the major networks, yeah. uh, ABC, NBC, and CBS, just godless stuff. And, you know, it's time for Christian people to stop allowing their, to watching it themselves and allowing their children to have a diet of murder, which desensitizes them to such horrible things and uh, and a diet of immorality. I mean, it, it's just awful that uh, a lot of of teenagers that's raised in good churches today uh, they they graduate from high school and and before you know it, they're living with someone that they're not married to. I, I'm just glad they don't ask me to do the wedding because I don't want to do it. Yeah, exactly. So that kind of leads us down into our, our call of action, our call to action. What do we need to do here? And and so um, as uh, Christians, if you're listening to the podcast and you're a Christian, I hope that you understand that uh, the only viewpoint to have as a Christian is to have that view of a pro-life view. And that's not because I'm trying to persuade you to a conservative point of view. I'm trying to persuade you to what God's view is. And the Bible speaks strongly that pro-life and uh, the preciousness of life and the sanctity of life is all throughout Scripture. Uh, so I hope you have that point of view. I hope that you will uh, not uh, just take for granted the fact that there's a court a decision that's supposedly going to take away abortions because that's not the case. So we need to continue uh, to advocate for the unborn. We need to continue uh, to educate 
uh, our young people and, and those around us about the sanctity of human life, and we, we can't give up on that. And then uh, we, we need to go to the office and vote. Dad, you and I were talking about um, how uh, if this does go back to the states, which it looks like it's going to, that um, voting for local representatives, your state representatives, uh, state senators and House members and governor is going to be much more important because this decision is going to really lie in their hands. And and you have an opportunity uh, because it's at more of a local level to probably have a bigger impact than you would you know, with a federal law. So we need you to be active in, in doing that. And then lastly, we need to spend time in prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we don't pray enough as Christians. I know I don't pray enough. And uh, we really need to go to God and, and take this to Him in prayer. And so, Dad, I wrote down the things that we need to pray for. And as we get ready to go out, I'll ask you to mm-hmm. pray for some of these. But mm-hmm. the first thing that came to mind is I thought we need to pray that God will give mercy to us uh, for our evil acts as a country. I mean, th- this is just to, to watch the just depravity of, of what we're seeing play out in front of us and people demanding the ability to kill their their child um, is just terrible. And and I'm hoping that God will, will give us mercy. Uh, if, if, if God was me, I wouldn't put up with it anymore. And I would have already came in and cleaned house. So I pray that he'll give us a mercy and give us time to hopefully change our, our, our direction and our ways. We need to pray for these Supreme Court justices. Um, obviously, this decision is not going to, again, end abortion, but we need to pray for them that uh, that they will at least uphold the Constitution mm-hmm. uh, because that's what they are intended to do. That's what our forefathers meant when they established the three branches of government with the judicial branch and the Supreme Court being there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, we need to pray for our president and our Congress and we need to pray that their hearts would be changed and that they would uh, see a difference, uh, that life is precious and life is sweet and that it needs to be something that's preserved uh, and the unborn need to be protected. Mm-hmm. Pray for our state governments uh, and our uh, government leaders. Pray for abortionists. I know that may be hard, but we need to pray for these men and women who uh, who are medical providers who have made the decision that they want to spend their career uh, aborting infants. I can't imagine making that decision uh, to be an abortionist for a career, but there are those who have done it, and we need to pray hard for them uh, that their their hearts would be changed. I'd love to see abortion centers just start closing because there's nobody who's willing to do it, right. uh, that there's no uh, physicians that are willing to, mm-hmm. to, to do the procedure. And so I, I pray that you pray hard for that. We need to pray for expecting mothers, those who are uh, with child and maybe conflicted and confused about what they need to do. We need to pray for these young women, and we need to show them love. And in our church houses, we need to be accepting of these women uh, and and uh, not shun them and put them out. Understand that you know pregnancy out of wedlock or, or whatever have you their situation is, is 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 not pleasing to God. But that's done, and we need to rally around them and love them and help point them to Jesus and uh, and he- hopefully help them make the right decision to save life and to move forward. And then lastly, we need to pray for our uh, crisis pregnancy centers. These centers do fantastic work, and right now they are under fire. I just mentioned three of them around the country that have been targeted. I promise you there are more that I didn't bring up, and there probably will be more in the coming days. Uh, So we need to pray for these uh, people who are putting on um, this, this tough job of trying to educate young women about their decisions of what they have and the options that they have when it comes to uh, pregnancy. Right. And, you know, Matt, uh, one other group of people to pray for uh, are these women that 
had abortions. Yeah. Uh, because when you do something that's wrong, your conscience bothers you. Yeah. And, you know, there are people that deal with mental problems and, uh, you know, they suffer as a result of a decision that they made. And, and oftentimes an ill-informed decision. Because, you see, when you go to the abortion clinic, uh, they're going to sit down with this a mother that's conflicted, that's crying, that doesn't know what to do. And they're going to say, oh, it's just a blob that you're carrying. It's just a tissue. It's just a mass. And we can get rid of that, you know. Yeah. And and, uh, and 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 your life it could be so much better. You need to do that. Mm-hmm. And so they're lied to. Uh, there are just so many people that, you know, are conflicted when they go into the uh, abortion clinic and, and, and they're lied to and and they 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 do something wrong that had they they had the truth shared with them if they saw you know uh, as with the ultrasound like these uh, uh these centers uh against abortion have mm-hmm. you know that have have these ultrasounds if if these people could see their little baby and see their face and say hey that little baby's face looks like my face when I was little. Yep. If they could see that, they'd realize that they're they're not pregnant with a tumor. They're pregnant with a child, their yeah. child. They would make the right decision. My my heart goes out to these people that were ill-informed, that, that made decisions, and uh, today they regret them. I want you to know if you're a mother and you're uh, listening, maybe you aborted your first child, you had other children, and you just realize, you know, that you made a bad choice, a bad decision. Listen, God can forgive you. Mm. He can forgive you, and He can wipe that sin away. And and um, so you just know that that you you serve a God that will forgive. And now you don't go out there and have an abortion because you know He'll forgive. No, yep. that's the wrong thing. But but when you've been uh, ill-informed, you made a decision on the spur of a moment. And it was a life-changing decision. Listen, God will forgive you. And our our hearts go out to those that's, that's made these terribly uninformed decisions. And and perhaps God can use your story if you went through that. And you could help other young girls to avoid doing that. That's exactly right, Dad. I was actually getting ready to say that not only can God forgive you, but God can use you right. um, and use your story. And I've got a good a close friend that... Um, uh, older than me, uh, but she uh, had an abortion when she was very young, and uh, and she terribly regrets that situation, and she's repented and asked for forgiveness and has received it from God. But she has made it her mission that she's volunteering in a crisis pregnancy center and that she's trying her best to, to talk to young girls that were in her position mm-hmm. and to, to help them as they navigate the, the these decisions here. And so uh, if you happen to have, have been one of these that have had an abortion, uh, we want to pray for you and, and use this situation um, to hopefully uh, use it for good and, and bring God glory with it. Um, and uh, and help others who are in this situation. Dad, last group that I think we need to pray for, and I had more to, to talk about, but we're running late on time here, um, is we need to pray for our pulpits, uh, pray for our uh, preachers. Um, if, if you've been following anything recently, you'll know that there's been a host of evangelical uh you know the the people in the know or the the most popular or prominent folks out there that have been coming out one after one and compromising their position and right. saying that they support abortion or they support Roe v. Wade, and uh, so we need to pray that our pulpits are going to be strong, 
and that where we have uh, uh, preachers who are not afraid to stand for what's right and stand for what the Bible says, and that is life is sacred. So uh, those are a long list of things to pray for, but those are the things we need to pray for. Dad, would you pray us out of here? Yeah. Our Heavenly Father, you know we love you, and we're glad that you love us. Now, Lord, uh, we bring before you, Lord, uh, the troubles our country has. Our Heavenly Father, we know that the decision to legalize abortion all across the country was was a terrible decision, and it's, it's cost uh, millions of lives, our Heavenly Father, uh, over the course of, of many years, uh, uh, 40, 47, 40 or more years, uh, 49 years, cost so many lives. Our Heavenly Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you would just please heal our land, uh, help help our leaders, Lord, uh, to take a stand for what is right. Lord, there are those that are in Washington. They uh, All of them get lumped in one sum, but there are a lot, Lord, that, that are trying to take a stand and do right and help our country, Lord, and, and get our country to turn back to you and to realize how life is precious. And they're under the gun right now. I pray, God, that you'd help them to be brave and bold and to lead our nation. And, Lord, for those that are, are wrong, that that believe that the taking of the life of the unborn is is fine and uh, good to do. Show them, Lord, the error of their way. Lord, show them how precious life is. Some of the very ones, our Heavenly Father, that are uh, proponents for abortion, they have little children in their home and grandchildren. God, help them to be able in these days to come to look at the faces of their little ones and to think what their life would be like without the precious little ones that you've given them, our Heavenly Father. They're truly blessings. And so, our Heavenly Father, I pray uh, that you would just please uh, guide and direct and all of these leaders is making decisions to help them, Lord, uh, to turn away from this wrong and this evil that we've talked about. Our Heavenly Father, uh, we pray that you would cause other uh, men and women to stand up and run for office, Lord, and take a stand and to stand for for things like life. Uh, Lord, to to stand for the unborn and the elderly, Lord, for their next in line, our Heavenly Father, and the mentally retarded and handicapped, the next in line. So, God, help them to stand for those that can't stand for themselves. Help these people to stand up and, and run for office. Father in heaven, we pray that you would just please be with these uh, mothers that's made ill-informed decisions to abort their children and now regret it. God, I pray that you would just forgive them and help them to find the peace that comes from knowing Jesus as their Lord and Savior and the forgiveness of their sin and and use them, dear God, uh, to help others uh, to make informed decisions, Lord, and to choose life. Our Heavenly Father, we love you and, and we need your help these days, Father. We pray that you would uh, turn turn us back to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bonfire Podcast. We encourage you to subscribe wherever you stream your podcast content. Also, be sure to rate us on iTunes and Facebook so that others will know about the podcast. If you have a question that you'd like to see us address on an episode, feel free to email us at bonefireministries at gmail.com.